you probably don't recognize me. Maybe some of y'all knew that are newer. Uh, my name is Sean Twig. I'm an associate pastor here at LOH, and uh, I'm glad to be back here with part of the family and back on the teaching team here and, and pastoral team. But, you know, it's funny. If somebody would have joked with me and said, hey, you know, the next time you teach back home here at LOH, uh, you'll be preaching in an almost empty room, I'd have thought people were picking on me. And, uh, but you know what? We're going to take and, and use the best of what we have with technology. So I know that you're out there. The church is alive and well. And LOH Church, you're in your living room right now. You've been worshiping with this amazing time we've had with our, our band here. And you guys stuck through the technical difficulties. And we are just so appreciative of you. We want you to know, I, I, ask, I just echo what Pastor Tim said. We love you. Uh, and that we're all praying for you. And we love you sincerely. Uh, and we're here to serve you still, even in the midst of this uncertain season that we're in today. Which takes me to where I want to start off today as we teach is this season that we're walking through. You know, we're passing through a season. But I want to first just let you know when I use the word season that it's extremely important because a season has a beginning, a season has a, a time period that it, it sustains, and then there's a season where it comes to an end. So one of the good news that I want to let you know is, is that we're walking through a season, a season of doubt, a season of uncertainty, a season of fear. But I want to let you know it's a season we may have entered as a community. It's a season that we may be walking through as a community, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. And as long as we put our eyes on Christ, there is light in the midst of the season. So I want to just let you know right now, as we start this message, we're in a season. You know, when we were planning this message, uh, coronavirus hadn't hit and, and quarantined our entire community like it has. We were planning a message today that you're going to find out that, that speaks straight into a lot of things of what we're walking through right now. And we weren't planning this, but God knew. And so I just ask you to pray alongside me and, and keep your ears and your heart open because I believe that this message is timely for the season that we are in today. You see, there was a set of scripture that I think that if you want to just even speak this truth with me, you want to follow along and, and, and say this with me, we're going to be in John chapter 16, and I just want to say these couple of verses with you. And it says, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, these are red letters, guys. These are, these are the words of Jesus Christ himself, where he's letting us know we may be scattered at times as the church, but have peace in knowing what he has taught us. Have peace in knowing his truth. Have peace knowing his promises, and that he has overcome the world. Church, I'm letting you know, he has overcome Corona. He has overcome every affliction, everything that has ever happened in this world. He has overcome it. He has, he is, and he will. Because his promises remain faithful. But unfortunately, when we get into these times, there's this four-letter F word. I call it the F-bomb. It's not the one you're thinking. But there's a powerful effect of fear that comes in. You see, fear does some things in our lives that we need to understand because, you see, fear comes in and it starts to, to desire things. You see, when the spirit of fear starts to place its place and say, I'm taking home here, he begins to be demanding. 
You see, fear is a demanding spirit. When it comes in, it, it begins to try to take things and claim things and it desires things. And one of the things it first likes to desire, it desires to fill our minds with hopelessness. You see, in the time of like this right now, when there's sickness all around, it begins to make it like it's all hopeless. There's no good. But there are men and women that are raising up to the challenge, that are rising up in their communities. There are families that are healing, and there are homes being restored. And there is God is on his throne, and Jesus is active. And I've heard reports of people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the kingdom is still expanding in the midst of this crisis. But fear would like you to know that it's all hopeless. But that's when we put our eyes on fear. But when we realize that Christ is our hope, everything changes. You see, the power effect of fear, it desires our investment. You see, because what we start thinking about, it constantly overtakes us where we can't enjoy the good fruits of what God has done in our life, that we begin to look around and we begin to think about all these things. And we begin investing money on how we can prevent this or do this. And we begin to take in all this time and we do this. And we waste time speaking about all the things we're afraid of and all the things. But there's all these great things that are going on in our lives. Think about it. How much time have you invested in your thoughts of fear? Maybe even in this season. I know we all have. Where maybe that was a time we could have been thought, thinking and dreaming up something to do with our kids. Or a time of enjoying our spouse because we're quarantined. And what else is there to do at that point? But we're in a house and to spend time there. Maybe we look at the blessing of that. You know, it desires you. You know, this is interesting because fear desires you to find your identity in your affliction. You see, it begins to where you begin identifying with your affliction. Whatever is going on, you begin to identify with it. Many of us out there, when we begin to be hopeless, or we're right now in a place of struggle, our struggle becomes our identity. We begin to think this. But here's the thing. Your identity is church. You were made in the image of Christ. You are sons and daughters of the King. You are children of God the Most High. You are not your affliction. We, in fact, serve a Jesus who has overcome your affliction. He dwells on the inside of you, and you have the one who overcomes it on the inside so it cannot be your identity but it is a weapon and a tactic why he desires it we can go back to the original sin what you know we i'm going to give you the sean twig version here but think about it he looks at eve and him, he's like you don't know what god knows and all of a sudden that insecurity of not knowing what god knows pulls somebody to an apple it causes sin to happen you see that's why i'm saying it's not just a virus Fear comes in many ways. Fear comes in insecurity of not being secure, knowing that you're a son or a daughter of the king. And all of a sudden, this insecurity begins to make you feel like you've got to overcompensate. You've got to do things that you would never normally do. You see, fear desires, when it does that, to ultimately hinder your God-given purpose. You see, really what fear is doing is a fuel to get you thinking and get your wheels turning, get you investing, and get you to start thinking that who you really are is not who God promised you to be. So he begins to compromise the promise, and he begins to make you sit there and realize you don't, what your purpose is. And when he does all that, here's what happens. The selfless servant of Christ begins to be someone who preserves self, and self-preservation kicks in. And it's the direct opposite. Self-preservation is the direct opposite of selfless service. When we begin to preserve self, we have gone against the selfless service heart, servant heart.
that Christ has called us to have. So I want you to understand that battle right now that's taking place. You see, because it really says fear is the weapon of the enemy. The fear is the weapon of our enemy, but I want to give you good news. Our faith is our pathway to victory. You see, you didn't hear me say that our faith is the absence of fear. See, there's a lot of people like to talk about that, especially we get all super churchy and religious where we're like, listen here, if you fear, you have no faith. And we beat each other down all the time. But what if I was to tell you that I've talked to some of the most brave men and women in the world, people that have served in special forces at one time, and they'll tell you that every time they were on the battlefield, they were trained for the best training in the whole wide world. And they say, one, they, they had fear walking in. My police officer friends have fear every time they stop a car on the highway, every time that they, they, they walk into an unknown door and what's behind it, but they still go through. Here's the catch. Our faith is a pathway that is not that we sit there and say we have no fear. Faith is our pathway to still obey God in the face of fear. It is our pathway to victory that we're willing to still obey God in the face of fear. I am telling you we're lying to you if we tell you you're not going to have fear right now, especially even right now with coronavirus. And we're thinking about, all right, we spread it. Are we taking it home to our kids? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? But I'm letting you know, if we're obeying God in the face of fear, we will not let fear overtake the selfless hearts of who his church is called to be. So realize that right now, that fear is a weapon. But faith is our pathway to victory. Because we will have fear to the day we die, but our faith will allow us to walk through every fearful situation. And just like we were just talking about our brothers and sisters that might be in the police force, they still walk through the door. The special forces and our military still drop and land in enemy territory. Not because they, have, they, they, they back off in the fear. They go in spite of it. Church, he's calling us to an altar in spite of our fear. He's calling us to worship and honor him and obey him in spite of our fear, to be faithful to the one who has given us hope. So the scripture that, that, that Pastor Tim asked me if I would focus in and hone in on and share with you is going to be out of it. I'm going to let you flip there, but I'm going to give you a little background because everybody could be at a different place in the word. Uh, is in Exodus chapter 12. And what I want you to know is, is to kind of lay out a little bit, some of you may know the famous story about Moses, and Moses comes, and, and he, was raised, he was raised up uh, in a powerful situation, was a, and, and murdered a, an Egyptian, and took off, and was running, escaped, and God calls him back to free the Israelites who have been enslaved by the Egyptians. And of course, when he comes back, and he calls out, and him and his brother Aaron are there, and they call on, and God provides all kinds of plagues to Egypt, and we, you know, and some of you may have even seen, like, you know, the Disney movie Prince of Egypt, you get, the, you get the visual here, and what happens is, what happens? They go, all through, they go through all these plagues, and all through these plagues, and finally, it's at the last one, and God goes, it's going to have to be endgame now. See, God went through all those other plagues to get the Egyptians to, to decide. And he went to the end game and says, all right, we're going to, I'm, unfortunately, the firstborn of everything living in Egypt is going gonna, is gonna to die. Except my people who follow and obey what I call them to. I want them to cover the doorpost in blood. And I'm going to go into a set of scripture with you here that is powerful. That's going to show us a connection to what Jesus Christ has done for us. 
It says in Exodus chapter 12, picking up there. And one last thing, I do want to tell you this. I, I did, it, it's in the scripture before this, because honestly, we could sit here and do a whole series on the plagues and everything that was instructed. He said, I want every home to pick out a lamb without blemish. The Passover lamb would be a lamb without blemish. Now, I'll make that connection in a few minutes, but I wanted to catch that because that was one of God's instructions to obey. Now, picking up in verse 21, it says, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. That's the lamb without blemish for your home. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. Now, I want to point out some teaching in this when we're reading this scripture, because I don't want you to pass over some things. You see this word, hyssop, H-I-H-Y-S-S-O-P, and you go, okay, I know about blood, but why was that there? This was a bitter, this was the stuff that was bitter. Because I think that we're seeing a shadow as we go forward. We're going to see a shadow of the cross here, that you're going to see that the bitterness of the cross, the bitter death that Jesus tasted, it was supposed to be a part of the blood. And so you're seeing this in here, and it's beginning to show us. And it says, None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. So he's giving them some instructions to obey. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will pass over the doorway, and he will not permit. Do you see that word? He will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. Do you see even in the midst of this chaos that Egypt was going to find, what did it say? God will not permit the destroyer to enter your home. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. He's telling them, worship. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites did exactly what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. Do you see that in there? They said, worship, celebrate. And then he says, and then tell your children, disciple and tell them the truth and hand down the promises and the truth because what we face is fear today. And our faith should be stories that we tell our children and our grandchildren so that when they walk through fear of their own seasons, we have given them testimonies of the faithfulness of God and the hope of God and the most hopeless situations to continue to be selfless in serving the greatest, Jesus himself, even in those times. I want to focus on the doorway with you guys today. As we know what ended up happening at night, it was a scary night. This is Old Testament, and God chose to strike down the firstborn, and screams were heard throughout Egypt. And, and, and the Pharaoh said, take your people. And they later, they get, to the, they get to the Red Sea, they part the Red Sea, God parts the Red Sea, and they go on in to start their travel in the wilderness. That's the rest of the story, and there's many things that can be there. But I want to go back, and I want to focus on this doorway. I think this doorway is a powerful message for us today. I believe the doorway is a powerful example of what's going on here. You see, that doorway that we're talking about, covered in the blood of the Lamb, sits in the shadow of the cross. The doorway covered in the blood of the Lamb, it sits, it is established in the shadow of the cross that would happen. Why? Because, number one, the blood. Blood. Why? Because the doorway 
the doorway we enter spiritually is by the cross, isn't it? For eternal salvation is by the cross. We enter a doorway. We enter salvation, don't we? And what was it by? It's not by any more than the blood of Jesus Christ. It's by the blood. But it was by the bitter death and remembering the bitter death that Jesus willingly accepted for us. Hyssop. Mixed in the blood. Now, I want to say a couple things that I think are very interesting about this doorway. Because as it sits in the shadow of the cross, it is an invitation to a personal relationship. You see, I believe that when we see this doorway as in sitting in the shadow of the cross, the cross is an invitation to a personal relationship with Christ. I believe the doorway is an invitation. Because when you come to your house, what do you have to walk through? When you come up to the front door to be a guest in somebody's house, you ring the doorbell and you go through a doorway. There's a doorway that, got, that has been designed that takes us from the outside to the inside. There's a doorway that takes us from what is happening in the elements of the world into a sanctuary or a refuge called a home. There's a doorway that we must pass through. And there's a doorway to a personal relationship, and there's only one relationship that can pass you through that threshold from spiritual death to life, and his name is Jesus Christ. Now, there's some of us out there that we have a personal relationship with Jesus. Some of us might be that we say, hey, I'm going to church on Sunday, or some of you might be going, there's chaos in the world, and I'm tuning in today. I want you to know that the threshold from death, as the Egyptians saw death all around, they walked, the Israelites walked from this threshold. They walked through a threshold where there's death and said, I will provide you life. I will provide you in here life. And I promise you life and life to the full as Jesus shared. You see, you've got to pass through that threshold. There's only one relationship, and that's Jesus. Now, there's going to be a challenge that comes with this one. See, there's a challenge that always comes when you pass through that threshold. You see, when we take steps of obedience, in spite of our fear, there's challenges. You see, you're going to come face to face with your past, present, and future when you take that step. Guys, when we take a step through the threshold of realizing that we're covered in the blood of maybe even something going on in your life that you're struggling with right now, you might have a private struggle that is happening right now. And you're going, you know what, I want it to just be covered in the blood. I want that just to be healed, and I just want to be set free from that. I'm letting you know that you're going to come face to face with your past, present, and future. Do you realize that I'm telling you right now that the crimson stains of his blood make you white as snow and blemish in, without blemish in the eyes of God? It is by the blood of Christ that we are blameless in the eyes of God. So I'm letting you know today that I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care where you're coming from. But under the sight, under the veil, under the altar, the doorway of blood, when you enter into relationship, you become blameless in the eyes of God because you are covered. You are covered in the blood of Christ. There you look and say, my past, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm letting you know you've been covered. And then you look at your present and go, is this worth it? Or am I willing to step in and say, I'm going to obey because I need something different. I believe there's a lot of us that still attend church that are still hungry for this part. 
that we have agreed, that we sit here and we go, you know what, I believe God will forgive me of my sin, but I'm not, I'm not ready to take the president and say, I'm willing to obey and do something different. And when you step in, he changes the course of your future. Transformations going, you may have been there. This might be where you're at, but I'm taking you on the journey that I have declared for you, that I have promised you, that I declared that I have dreamed up for you. Guys, the only way to cross that threshold is obedience in the face of fear. Now, inside, you're going to find an altar of worship built on relationship. You see, when you step inside and you've been covered, <laughs> you know, I want to say something to you because some of y'all go, man, he's talking about the blood a lot. You know, a little side note that it was a really powerful. Some of you may not look him up if you don't know this guy. Google him. Reverend Billy Graham. Millions and millions came to know the Lord through his evangelism. They asked him, at the, they asked him toward the end and said, if there was anything that you would, you would have preached more on as a young guy, he said, I'd preach the cross and I'd have preached the blood more than anything else in the entire world. He goes, I wish I'd have preached it more. And he goes, our generation today, and I stand here as a guy that hasn't hit 40 yet that says the blood needs preached as much as anything. The blood breaks chains. The blood rebukes sin. The blood covers sin. The blood is what forgives sin. The blood is what makes demons flee. The blood is actually what shakes, <laughs> whew, shakes lives to realize that there is hope even in the most hopeless situations. It's the blood of Christ. When you're struggling right now, you know, you might hear this old, old school term. I'm going to go old school with y'all. Because I'll tell you right now, our grandparents' church, they said this all the time. If you're struggling right now out there, plead the blood. And you go, what's that mean? I want you right now, wherever you are, maybe you have a struggle right now. You're sitting in your living room. Maybe you're still laying in bed watching this. You go, right now, I just plead the blood over this situation in my life in the name of Jesus Christ. I know that the blood heals, and I know that that blood will set me free because it was paid for this. So wherever you are right now, just go ahead and begin to plead that. And as we enter in and we surrender that trust and faith as worship, I believe God shows us a couple promises in this story that I'm going to hit you with. The first is he gives us a promise of protection. He gives us a promise of protection. You see, now, wait a minute, you go, wait, okay, what if it gets sick? And you got the people out there right now, theological, well, what happens when you're a faithful believer and you get sick? Well, let me talk about that. This body, I know mine's beautiful, I got you. Here's what I want you to know. This body is made up of earth. Okay, but my soul is eternal. So here's the deal. This world can have everything it wants to offer and can destroy my body because that is unfortunately a part of living on this earth. And it comes. Now, God can heal it because he is all-powerful. But it doesn't mean that I'm not going to walk through affliction at times. But what it cannot touch is it cannot, it protects my soul. You see, what really matters to God is your soul. Your body will come and go, and, I, and people will, right now are flipping out. I can tell you right now, and Pastor Tim knows I'm a straight shooter. There's some of you out there right now flipping out saying, God doesn't let anything bad happen to us. 
Well, let me tell you something. Inside the church, there are people afflicted with cancer. There are people that have heart disease. There are people that are sick. There are people that did not choose. As we even come together right now, our sister Dana didn't choose right now to have her immune system completely shut down in a time of crisis. She loves Jesus. But what I know is, is God cares about her soul, and he will protect her soul. And we pray protection because we know he can over her body. So I want you to understand something. It's a promise of protection of your soul. You won't experience the death of your soul, but you'll experience life with your soul. Guys, we have to get that right, first and foremost. You see, that house, when you step into a house, you pass that threshold, that doorway, and when we pass that blood, that blood is there letting us know we have been covered by Jesus, paid in full. We are there, and we step through, and we're in our home, our refuge, our sanctuary. We are now protected. Guys, when we walk in our house, how many times, it doesn't matter where you live. I used to have a friend that was going to law school. He was down in Baltimore, and he lived in a really rough neighborhood. And you remember, he used to speed walk, and it, wasn't by, it, was, by, it was by choice. You know, He'd speed walk everywhere he went, trying to get back and forth. And he said the moment he got in his door and he could lock his doors, he felt safe. Sometimes when we're on the outside looking in of our homes, we don't feel as safe. We feel a little vulnerable. But what I want you to know is God offers you protection there. And you know one of the things I think is beautiful about the protection is, is the death, as I talked about fear outside, fear tries to make you preserve yourself. And what did I talk about? I talked about your identity and that insecurity and all that. You see, but when you step across that threshold with Christ, he gives you permission to be vulnerable with him. You don't have to be insecure. See, what, what kills insecurity is being vulnerable with God. Because you're willing to say, hey, this is who I am. I'm letting it all out. Because God sees me in my best and in my worst. So he offers you protection, a promise. He also, I want you to understand that when you cross that threshold, he offers you a promise of provision. He will provide for you. Has anybody ever thought about the fact that all of the Israelites in Egypt all were able to grab a lamb without blemish to be able to obey? I mean, think about that for a second, guys. We're talking a lot of people here, okay? We're talking like a major city type people here, population. And somehow they all, every home was able to grab a lamb without blemish. Now, if you ask your farmer friends out there to have animals without blemish is pretty difficult. But to have enough, God provided it. He provided them a meal. He provided them protection. And he provided for them to say, I'm going to provide you a way out of your enslavement and fear. You see, that's what we don't realize is this was the gateway that opened the pathway to freedom. He provides you that freedom. You see, they were enslaved. They weren't just living in Egypt. They were slaves of the Egyptians. And he says, I'm going to provide you a way out. When you cross the threshold from this fear-mongering, crazy place outside and cross through the doorway covered in the blood in relationship with Jesus, he says, I promise you, you will experience the provision of freedom. He also talks about, and I'm not, I'm just going to let you know, he provides for us financially. He provides for us in every way possible. Guys, I could sit up here for the next, because of the journey I have been on. You know, it's my first time back preaching. From the journey when I left a lead pastor position that I was in back at the beginning of August till now, 
I have been on a journey. And I can tell you God's story after God's story, how God has faithfully provided every time. I'm talking about when we would have probably needed to look through the couch time. And all of a sudden, there's a gift card to Aldi sitting in our mailbox. The little things, guys. God knows. He knows where you're at. And if you're willing to just trust, he provides. Pastor Tim, I love the, the message last week. I love the message of Abraham. And he sat there and he looked and he said, he goes, where's the lamb at? And he says, he'll provide us one. You see, about trusting God is knowing that God's going to provide it. We don't know how, and we don't even need to know how. You see, that's the problem. When we get insecure needing to know everything, we're over here going, how, why, what, who? How's it all going to happen? But over here, when we step through the threshold to knowing God's our provider, we just go, you. I trust you. I'm vulnerable. I'm broke. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I say that because, you know, people go, well, he's talking about finances. No, because I want to encourage some of you out there because I know how you're feeling. I spent months unemployed when I stepped out of lead pastoring, trying to find a position locally when God told me to plant in this local community and stay here with my family. And some of you right now have been laid off. Some of you out there right now that are listening are going, I'm hurting. I want you to know that the God we serve is a provider. He will provide you and take care of you and will not leave you that when you step across that threshold and you say, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus and I am trusting you, Lord Jesus, with my life, I want you to understand He will provide for you. That's a promise I can give you. It is a promise that is true and true that Jesus has given us in the red letters. Finally, He gives us a promise of purpose. You see, I want you to understand something, that we're not just here in relationship to not have a purpose. We are not meant. The church is living and breathing embodiment who Christ is to the world. It's, we're not meant to be these people that say, you know what, I checked this box, and I'm going to sit outside the doorway. I don't want the relationship part. I check a box, and I don't need to be doing anything for Christ. I don't need anything. I'm just going to stay right here, and it's nice and safe. It's not. Death is all around you. You've allowed fear to not let you enter the threshold and come into a sanctuary that's safe and be over here realizing that through the blood of the doorstep, the covering of the cross, the blood of the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, the things that are over here, he's got a purpose for you that he has planned before you believe. You know, people love the quote. That be, that be, you know, there's a great Old Testament quote that everybody loves to talk about that says, before I, placed, I had plans for you before I ever placed you in your mother's womb. Everybody loves to talk about that. Do you realize that when you think about that, God has, a man, has imagined a purpose for your life before he even puts you in your mother's womb? He has a purpose for you. If fear can stop you in your tracks here, before you step through and realize your God-given purpose over here, he's got you. The enemy's got you with his weapon. So in spite of that fear, church, because I want to see the church awaken to their purpose, I want you to know you might be afraid, but step through knowing that Jesus has covered me in the blood and I'm over here and I have a purpose. And I have a purpose to share and love God. What is my purpose? My purpose is to worship him. I am the walking image of Jesus Christ and I am a son and a daughter and I was made for worship. So I will worship him with my purpose. 
And my purpose is to love other people. My purpose is in spite of chaos, in spite of all the craziness that's going on, in spite of what the news tells me. My job is to love people unconditionally, not just stop loving people because Corona's going on, but love people in spite of Corona, love people in spite of things, love people, love my family in spite of being quarantined with them all the time. We are meant to love. We have a purpose. I can't sit here and look at each of you and say, that's your purpose. Because it's when we cross that threshold and we become intimate with God that he shows you distinctly what you were made for. But if you never walk through the doorway, that's the shadow of the cross. You'll never know that purpose. And you'll always feel unfulfilled. That's why church... When you start coming as a family on Sundays and you never walk through the doorway of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in relationship and walking through, that you go about, hey, it's been a good six weeks, and it starts to fade. Because you don't feel fulfilled anymore. The band could be rocking, but you know what? It's the same thing every week. We stand and we sing. And then somebody preaches. And it sounds the same. And I'm done. Let's try something else. Let's try another church. or Let's just try to... Let's just try the the church of the pillow and we'll just sleep in on Sundays. But you want to know something? Maybe it's not supposed to be that way. Maybe we're supposed to step over and realize that you can find fulfillment in your purpose with God. And so today I challenge you to think about what your purpose is. So this is what I want to give you. I want to give you all a challenge as the band comes up. Church, we've been given promises of protection a provision, a purpose. We recognize that fear is active in our lives, but we have a choice. And today I want to ask you guys to put your construction hats on wherever you're standing. I want to ask you to put your work gloves on. Get out your spiritual hammers, because we're going to build an altar. I want to challenge each of us to let's build an altar with our lives. I want to challenge us to realize that when we walk this thing out, that we might be on the outside experiencing what death feels like over here and struggles that we have and the life that we have. I want to challenge you that there's a doorway that has been covered in blood and now it is a symbol, that was a symbol of a cross and that cross that is soaked with the blood of Jesus Christ that he willingly accepted and willingly shed for you as you pass the shadow of the cross, as you walk in and you have become a part of a refuge, a safe place a relationship with God is built on intimacy and worship. I want to let you know you can build an altar where you're at. So many times we preach that the only altar is this thing that's in front of the band, but I want to tell you where you're standing right now, there's an altar, and you can build your altar with your heart and your soul right where you're at right now, and I challenge you in your living room, in your bedroom, on your deck, in your backyard, wherever you are, LOH, as you listen, I'm going to challenge you to build an altar and to say, I surrender. I'm vulnerable to you, God. I pass through the threshold knowing that my life has been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross the cross he went to that for me and I know that there's life on the other side and I'm going to speak blessing I'm going to speak hope I'm going to speak truth I'm going to speak faith I'm going to speak life I'm going to do the things that know that God's word says and when people and the news and I start believing the news I'm going to pick up my Bible and I'm going to read it and I'm going to say that I know what God promises me and in spite of what the newscaster has said God's promise is eternal. 
So let's mail an altar of blessing. Let's speak blessing over our families. Let's speak blessing over our leaders. Let's speak blessing over our community. Let's begin that even if we politically disagree with our leadership locally or nationally, we pray for them, that they're given wisdom and clarity to see us through this season from the world standpoint. Let's begin to pray for our pastors and leadership, that they see us through spiritually through this season. Let's begin to pray over mothers and fathers and homes, that they see their families through this season. And let's pray over our children, that they will see and experience the richness of God's love, that they will see that there is hope on the other end of this uncertain season that we are walking through. But it starts being on the outside. Open the door and walk in to your altar of prayer. So where you're at, begin to pray. Begin to pray and plead the blood over everything you may struggle with and then begin to speak blessing knowing that God's hand is on everything. If you're scared for your children, begin to speak God's blessing over your children. If you're scared about being sick, speak God's blessing over your family. Pray the blessing of healing and protection over your family. If you're uncertain about finances, begin to speak the blessing of financial provision over your family in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now. We worship you, Lord, with our everything. We honor you, Lord Jesus. And God, we just speak knowing that your promises are faithful and that even in spite of our fears, God, you show us a pathway to victory. And that victory is stepping in obedience in spite of our fears and walking through, Lord. So we ask you, give us the courage to walk through. Holy Spirit, lead us through this season. Protect us, provide for us, and show us our purpose in your word, I pray. God, we surrender it all to you now. We thank you for your tremendous blessings. In the name of Jesus Christ, church, we all say amen.